A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I'm on an iPad because I've given up on... I don't know what's going on, but... I, I kept getting you guys in slow motion and I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Hello, hello and welcome to the Story Studio. So, my name is Luke. You may recognise my voice because you've listened to the show before. Or if you don't, my name is Luke. Um, okay, so... I'm going to have to uh, have a bit of a disclaimer on this episode. It's been, it was one of those episodes where we were recording and things just weren't going right. So here's what you can expect during this episode. Uh, You can expect the disappearance, reappearance and second disappearance of Mr. Daniel Wilcox. You can expect weird background noises, which I can only assume were the haunting sounds of ghosts eating packets of crisps. Uh, Some non-specific chit-chat about stuff that isn't really about publishing at all, but is or could be considered waffle. And the odd piece of interesting bit of writing and publishing advice we've learned during 2016 at Hawk and Cleaver. So I just want to quickly say thank you so much for listening to us this year. If you have, uh, if you haven't, I don't know how you're getting this message right now. Uh, but if you have, we just want to say thank you. We're going to continue to make stuff, going to continue to make the show into 2017. We're going to be doing loads of cool stuff like comic books and uh, sideways podcast stuff. And, uh, you know, more books and, and more, of the, more of the good stuff, really. Um... Yes, yeah, so I'd love to hear how your year went. So please do get in touch over at hawkandcleaver.com or just drop us a line on Twitter and we'd love to hear that. Uh, but for now, uh, on with the show. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Daniel Wilcox and today I'm joined by Santa Claus. And, and Luke Condor with a K. And his elf, Ben, ben Errington <laughs> with a B. It's good that you can admit that you're an elf. <laughs> it's Santa Claus and his elf. Uh, so, yeah, so today uh, we are doing a bit of a roundup episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the stuff we've done, stuff that we've learned. I've got a list. Ben's got a couple of things. Dan's yep. uh, got tons and tons of notes, I believe. Uh, but first, for all that, we're going to get straight into it, and we're going to do the big whoops for the week. So, Ben, do you want to go first? I'll go first. Let's talk about a whoop, a big This one. is so much more professional this time around. Oh, yeah. The big, the, a whoop of the big variety. Yes, please. Um, I'm going to go for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which I believe is the official title. Although I've seen a lot of people referring it to 
as Rouge one when they're writing their reviews online. <laughs> silly, silly. You know, no, that's yeah, a prequel to Moulin Rouge. Rouge one. It yeah. is Rouge one. There we go. Yes, yeah, so I also wrote one the ooh, last week, last Thursday, I believe. No, I've and, uh, heard mainly yes. positive, but I have heard a bit of mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it was good. I loved it, but. It was nowhere near as good as The Force Awakens. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's so much better than The Force Awakens. It blew The Force Awakens out of the water. I'm going to say, no, absolutely not. Force Awakens was pretty stupendous, I think. Now, quite, quite, I, quite an achievement. I uh, don't know how I feel about Gareth Edwards as a director. Because I, I yeah. always feel like, I've, apart from Monsters, like I really want to get into like Godzilla and stuff. But it just never seems to look like... Never seems to be a particularly well put together story. Yeah, never yeah. seems to be like. Never seems to draw me in. I think. I think a lot. Of, I, I do quite like his directing style, but I think it's mm. a difficult one to judge. But based on we've only got monsters and Godzilla to go by, that's mm. the only features he's done, isn't it? Because um, mm. obviously, it's hard to say with a, such a big film as Star Wars. It's obviously going to be. It's going to have so much input from so many different people. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to, for that film to be owned by him do you know what i mean as his sort of thing i mean i'm sure there's the studio are going to be i mean it's disney for god's sake yeah they're going to be they're going to be involved massively through through the process but it was good but i think a lot of people maybe are thinking there's a there's a lot of nostalgia involved in it and it is quite a action-packed action-driven star wars film without too much of the force in it i mean there's the force in it but there's not too much and i think a lot of people are comparing it to like it could be like a war film which I guess I can kind of agree with. Yeah, but we get we got a quite quite a lot of good characters now. But I wouldn't say there was like a really good standout character, a standout lead as such. What about the robot? The angry, oh yeah, the robot, angry droid. I've heard good things. He's he's pretty good, but he's no BB-8, is he? Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. No, no, it, it was good. It's um, uh, Tur- Turdike, is that his name? The dude from Firefly. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, yeah he Tudyke, did the motion. Yeah. Alan Turdike. Yeah, he did the motion capture and the and oh, the voice. Cool. But um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good romp, and I think if you enjoy certain characters from the original trilogy, not going to say who, you might have seen a trailer. Don't know. Then uh, you're going to walk away happy. Very I, happy. I definitely want to watch it. I think um, I don't know. Like I said, it, I really want to watch it just because of Star Wars, and Star Wars is like always been one of my favorite things. But I'm a little bit nervous about not liking it. <laughs> Like when I went to Force oh. Awakens, I was just—I knew it was, I just had a feeling it was going to be—it was going to be good. But I'm nervous. I'm going to go to the yeah, yeah. Rogue One. And it's just going to be a little bit of a letdown. I know what you mean, but I think just don't expect. Well, well, I guess I guess expect a lot. It's it's good. You'll enjoy it. There's no way you won't enjoy it because it's a good action film. Sort of like the motives of like all the main characters are good. Are uh, sort of it's, it's quite believable. It's emotional. The score was a bit weird. I know it's not it's not John Williams. It's the first Star Wars not John Williams. Do you think because um I would have thought with with the Marvel films, so Disney also have Marvel, and Marvel films all have a very similar score. Yeah, they yeah. They all have a very uh a certain Nothing like, too memorable. Yeah, exactly. They, they're all they all feel a certain way. Do you think that, that uh, Rogue One doesn't quite have that? It doesn't quite yeah, maybe. But I think what it's trying to do is it's trying to separate itself. It's trying to go, look, this is a standalone. It's not one of the main episodes. It's a standalone film, which I kind of get, but it's so connected to that story. It's hard to be a standalone film. It gets yeah. keeps getting 
I, I always see a, see a standalone film as being a completely self-contained story that doesn't affect any other film in the universe, but it does. It, it's a direct prequel to the first Star Wars. Yeah. Well, it is, because it happens just before or at the same time as, or just before, uh, episode four. So I, it's hard uh, to call it a standalone film. Yeah. I'm quite excited, though, because, I mean, I, I used to read all the Expanded Universe books growing up. and um, Yeah, I never really did that. It's quite nice that they're going to have these standalone films that might be able to... Like, I'd like to see, like, a, just a standalone Boba Fett film. Like, I'd yeah, like yeah. to see all these, like, little stories that don't have to feel like they're yeah. part of something bigger. Well, if, uh, yeah, sorry, going back to the score, it just felt like there were certain recognisable themes from Star Wars and then it would sort of just go somewhere else. And it yeah. kind of, like, took away the, 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 like, sort of magic and the awe of it. Yeah. For a second, when it was just like, oh, God, yeah, that's the, that's the start of the Imperial March. And then you're like... Oh wait, it's not something else. It kind of like takes away from it a little bit, almost like it was trying to be too far removed. Yeah, I have one more question think... about it. Uh, did they have the opening scroll, the text scroll? No, they didn't. No, that's insane. <laughs> it's you know what? I obviously don't want to spoil anything, but when the title comes up and the music that accompanies it, it just feels so wrong. It kind of just goes. But not, but like yeah. much higher. It's like, ah! <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit like, whoa, what's going on here? But um, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen was really good. Really enjoyed him. He's always good, um, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's always good. Stupendous. Uh, ben Mendelssohn, who mm. played like. Uh, he's always good as well. <laughs> Orson Krennic, I think his name was. Yeah. He, he, he was good. He was good as like a little slime ball. Um, Plays that role a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was good. He reminded me of the character he played in Lost River. I don't know if you've seen that. The Ryan Gosling directed. No, I haven't seen film. it. No. Just, a, no. just a bit of a, just a bit of a slime ball. Bit yeah. of a um, someone you know who's got uh, bad intentions. Um, he, and then the, yeah, go on. Sorry. He, and then, go on. That that other uh, Ben Mendelsohn thing, the TV show on Netflix. It is like. It takes place on a beach or something. He's like a brother, but he's like a uh, got a shady past. Um, that's a really good Ben Mendelsohn performance, anyway. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that. Hmm. Uh, have you seen Animal Kingdom? No. With um, Josh Edger- Edgerton. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's good. It's like a, it's an Australian sort of like crime drama. Yeah, that's really good. You should definitely check that out. But yeah, yeah, Rogue One definitely worth a watch. I think new Star Wars fans are gonna. Love it. The old Star Wars fans might be a little bit more unsure, but then the bits that connect to episode four, I think people enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. There's some kick-ass stuff in there. Oh, yeah, and Donnie Yen as well plays like a blind dude um, who's not like Force. He's not like... He believes in the Force, but he's not Force-capable, hmm. That makes, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty cool. He's blind, he's got a stick, and he does a lot of ass-kicking stuff. To be fair, like the lead, the lead Felicity Jones, uh, who plays Jin Erso, I was just a bit like, could have been anybody. Do you know what I mean? Everyone, everyone surrounding her was kind of like a lot more interesting. Her character, every time she was kind of like talking, I was a bit like, I don't know if she's as interesting as perhaps they think she is. Yeah, that's because you're a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's holding me back from everything. But. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I think there's some stuff in the trailers, some of the stuff she says, which sounds quite cool. But you don't hear. It's not in the. It's not in the cut of the film. Yeah, I've seen that. Do you remember? Do you remember? There's a part where she says, "This is a rebellion, isn't it?" Well, I rebel. I was waiting for that line, and it didn't happen. There's loads of cool things that went in the film I saw. Um, so there's a, there's a whole post, like 100, 140 shots or something that went in the end in the final film. But it's fair enough. You, but I mean, don't put it in the trailer. How do you feel about that? Because we've had loads of that this year. We've had loads of stuff with Suicide Squad, stuff with Batman versus Superman, where you see something or hear something in a trailer. How often do you do this as well? You hear a, a line in a trailer and you memorize it and you wait for it. And when it's delivered, it's different. Yeah, and it throws you off when it's different. It's when they've used a different take or something. I think How it's just uh, that? yeah, it's pretty disappointing. It's quite disconcerting when it happens. But I think it, maybe it's like a, a new way of filmmaking where they they do the edit for the film at the same time as they do the edit for the trailer, but in like two yeah. separate vans, edit vans, wherever they do them. I would I would rather just see exact lines and cuts from the film, but yeah. they just show a lot less, like. In the Batman vs. Superman trailer, one of the later ones, you saw that Batman and Superman were teaming up against yeah. um, Doomsday. And so yeah, then you saw Wonder Woman, and it was like, that, well, that's the film. I, I know exactly what's going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, because just that small scene of Batman and Superman looking at each other saying, is she with you? Like, you knew that they were teaming up against something else. So it's like the whole film's called Batman vs. Superman, and you're already saying that they're not going to be versus each other for the whole film. So you've already given yeah. the whole shit show away yeah yeah so um, <laughs> my big whip is i finished rick and morty uh the other day have you seen rick and morty uh no i've only ever seen just like tiny little snippets i don't really know uh, to be fair i don't really know that much about it so enlighten it's me pretty amazing like i think like on a surface level you, you probably look at it and you think uh it's probably a robot chickeny sort of thing going on, but, but more like Family Guy sort of thing. But it, it's it's not it's it's really like bizarre and mental in many ways. But so so it's made by Dan Harmon and uh, another guy called Justin Roiland. Uh, Dan Harmon, I, I believe, is the best TV comedy producer type person at the minute because I've seen like so many good things like Community. I absolutely love Community. Are you a Community fan? Uh, no, unfortunately, you know, okay, I've, I've, I've not. I've not seen that either. Yeah. And then he made a uh, Harmon Quest, which is like where they play Dungeons and Dragons with the comedians live on stage. Ah, right, yeah. And then okay. you get the animator to animate over the top, which was pretty amazing as well. And then this, and it's like, so you've got the dynamic of Doc Brown and Marty, but yep. the uh, Doc Brown is basically his grand, his drunk, for, oh, for always drunk, insanely clever granddad who lives in the, who like lives in the house with them. You've yeah. got uh, Morty, who's <laughs> slightly like retarded sort of kid. Um, <laughs> the, I, I'm going to say retarded just because there's even they even talk about that in the show. Is like whether they can say that or not. But the only reason he has Morty around is because his brain is so intelligent. There's people all over the galaxy who are trying to get him to to make them weapons or, or whatever, and he has to have someone who has the exact opposite brain waves <laughs> to like camouflage <laughs> his uh, his brain power. It's it's such a bizarre series, but it's 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 something special. I'll have to check it out. Is it? Well, it's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's all on Netflix now. Yeah, and it's got a bit of Nine Inch Nails in there, which I know you like. Oh man, 
I'm not gonna have time. I'll get halfway. I'll go for it anyway. Um, my big whoop. <laughs> it's my only contribution so far. I feel awful. Um, my big whoop is uh, we well finished draft two of Project Dan. So two books, Lazarus and They Rot, which I think we're going for for a title now. And we have got some potential cover art together this week that I think looks awesome. Um, that makes it look all shiny, makes it feel like it's actually becoming a real book and it's all coming together. It's going to be lovely. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we, we did have a cover, but it wasn't quite in keeping with like the genre. The genre. And also, um, the art we used like kept appearing like everywhere. And I think like and I like a club night in Dan's home in Lincoln. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, there was like a Halloween Halloween Sugar club cubes. night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Halloween club night, and they had yeah the zombies that we had used a kind of f- different filters and different look, but yeah. yeah, it was it was the same image. As so- yeah, as soon as you see your potential book cover on like a, a nightclub window, it's probably time to change book cover. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, the new one looks fantastic so far still need some tweaking the text finalized and everything but i think i think ben you have you have contributed fantastically to the cover ben has helped us out a lot only a little bit i think luke put most of that one together didn't he no <laughs> i'll take the credit for it sure all <laughs> oh, right uh, uh, that was all done it was oh, I'll you tell you what, okay. yeah well this will be handy advice i guess for people looking for um a budget way to do book covers but i basically went on um, a website and as part of signing up to their mailing list you get a $30 credit for like a book cover PSD store and they, they've only got like a, it's quite limited you can only pick from about 12 different covers but I basically signed up use that $30 to get the PSD which is a Photoshop file that you can completely editable and then did a few tweaks to make it a bit more uh, in keeping with what we were wanting to go for and then kind of handed it off to you to do your thing yeah i like it i like it It looks good it looks like a book Mm. i'd like to read yeah and i mocked up as well i don't think you've seen them ben i've mocked up um just because when i got it together i showed luke i basically just changed the color palettes a little bit changed the title put different images on and just made it look like it would look in a series okay just to kind of go like would this work because i think that was the other thing with the first design and something that uh it's good to keep an eye on because it was the first book in a series. I did think with the old design, what would be the next book cover? Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Because you kind of want them to follow on from each other, but you you haven't got the same image if you've just picked. Like I don't know, you could have varied bits and bobs, different mm. filters and stuff. But yeah, happy, just very very excited of how it looks. It makes it feel like the work is worth it now. Yeah, it's, it's getting there, isn't it? We're nearly there. So I think the next step for that is we're gonna read through get to draft three and then and at that point i guess send it to an editor Ooh. yes yeah yes very exciting uh, so I've got, I've got like a little bit of a list here of stuff that i think i found out or figured out or we figured out throughout the year um <coughs> do you want me to go first maybe just pick a yeah, point yeah man go for it riff on it and then we'll move on to the next one um so the first thing I wrote down, it, it feels like there's, so I've written five books now and I've kind of realized that there's like a season, there's like a cyclical feel um, or like a rhythm to writing a book. So like when you start off, it's kind of 
massive and sort of difficult because you don't know where to, you don't know where things are going to go. And then you keep writing. The halfway through, you start to think your work sucks and you don't want to do it anymore. And then like you start to feel a bit better once you get towards the end and you're happy that it's done. And then it's difficult to get back to do the next edit. It feels like there's, a, there's like a certain rhythm to it all. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. You definitely there's definitely phases. If for me, it feels more like a a wave. I'm riding the wave and going all the way up to the top. I know at some point I don't think about it too much, but I'm gonna have to come back down, and I won't be riding the wave anymore. I'll just be tread treading water. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I find that I think this year, well, probably the latter half of this year, I find it a lot harder. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know why. I can't really pin, pinpoint it. But in terms of getting momentum going, and that's what that's why, like when you when you say like you've written five books and that for me at the moment that feels like Jesus Christ. When am I gonna? Well, I'm gonna do it. But well, to be honest, I yeah. Sorry, go on. I was gonna say, I mean, two of those books were like co-written, so I mean, yeah, you only really take one book out of those, I guess. But um, but I feel like there's like seasons to the year as well. Like it's it's almost like a farmer season. Like you have like the bit where you're doing all the planting of the seeds and getting the ideas down and stuff. Um, that's probably when you're more excited about what. Oh, what's my crop going to be like at the end? <laughs> <laughs> Use analogies that everyone knows. Um, and then you do the actual like toiling work where uh, what they <laughs> when they toil the <laughs> toil the uh, fields, whatever they do, and then they're like, "This is pretty hard work." And then you start to feel like a bit shitty about it all. Like ah, I've done that field wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and do the first draft of that field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but I'm just saying that there's ups and downs. And like, I kind of feel like you just have to, when you're in a more difficult part, if it's in the writing of a book or if it's in like the year in general, just you just know that it will pass and you will get past it. Would you say life is a roller coaster, just got to ride it? Uh, no. I'd say it's like a, a farmer's field. And you have to oh. toil it. Yeah, yeah, but that, but that's good though. Do you feel like do you feel like this year you've learnt a lot about writing, considering it's been the first year that you've published a novel? Um, yeah, I think I've learned a lot more from the books that I've written and published than from the books that I have written but not yet published. I feel okay. like there's a big learning process in that editing and and getting something to press that you, if you if you don't <clears throat> publish it but you just don't you don't experience that you don't understand what that is yeah i think this year i've I've done a lot of writing of different types of projects so i'm working on some scripts been doing some comic book stuff uh and then obviously short stories and i haven't actually published a novel this year <laughs> yeah I, I can contest that as well the whole um because because i've is it frozen again? no i didn't know you were there <laughs> that was creepy wasn't it? that was like yeah no i uh because this well this year for me i've written including the two that we we're working on at the minute i've technically written four novels um but two of those are first draft they're kind of around 50 to sixty thousand words but i'm at the point where i feel like i needed to get them out of my system and just to have those initial first drafts of those books to one prove that i can write a novel and two just to kind of go through that first draft that slug in a way that getting into the process of it um and when it actually came around to working on lazarus and they rot even now i'm still you know we're in the third draft of of these books i'm trying to be as aware and open to what 
might be needed to kind of push forward because this is my first experience of the second edit of the third edit before it goes to actual publication i mean i went through i think it was about 17 overlooks of sins of smoke before that went out but they weren't really edits they were just okay i'll make that a bit cleaner okay i'll make that a little bit cleaner yeah um so yeah it's a big i think i i learned a lot from those first two novels that probably won't get published and i i have no problem with that i kind of i'm glad i put in that work but i'm kind of also speaking as much as i can now before the signal cuts out yeah, yeah. but um but yeah i think i'm learning a lot more about that latter half of the process now that we're actually pushing it and getting it to a point where it's going to be ready to go to to print yeah i think i think you know you do those ones where you're doing like 17 drafts or or whatever i think you're in like in the land of diminishing returns and i don't feel like <clears throat> you actually are improving the book that much at that point i mean sure you'll get to the point where it's like perfectly neat and it will be little to no typos but in terms of the quality of the book and what the reader will experience i think you kind of get to the point where it's like like overdone and like you could have got a lot more out of just moving on to the next book yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely i i feel that the more books i have read this year i mean i've made an effort to read a lot more indie fiction to see what other people are doing to see what sort of quality stands for a decent book um in the indie market and i think that looking back at it now you're right like i would have been able just to do three maybe four drafts of sins of smoke and put it out there and kind of moved on but especially that because that was my first book that was a very precious that's your that part where you're like i'm I'm gonna put this out there now it's gonna be terrifying um and you're kind of exposing yourself to the world but now i think i'm at a point where enough people know or enough people that i care about know what i do and i'm more focused on like the end goal anyway yeah. So as much as like I want these books to be as fantastic as they can, it's you know I'm, I'm focusing on moving on to the next one and kind of getting the process rolling along. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, I feel like if you don't move on, if you don't just like move on to the next one, you can like very quickly like lose your momentum in everything um, and just kind of get stuck. Because when I finished the third hipster book and I wasn't too happy with the draft, I like I didn't move on quick enough if you know what i mean it just kind of like got stuck and it took me a while to sort of get over that and move on to like project dan like to start writing properly again i feel like i probably should have just done that straight away i would have been so much better if i just sort of uh jettisoned my feelings to that previous book and moved on to the next one yeah but you do you kind of you get attachments don't you to to projects and yeah you kind of want to keep slugging away but yeah there comes a point where you have to decide i think if i've learned anything from this year it's kind of looking to invest time where it's best spent yeah me too i think yeah because i was going to look at a, another draft of a clockwork rose and look at putting that out but in terms of long-term goals for me as a writer i want to produce more sort of horror more more the stuff that we're kind of writing now the post-apocalyptic fiction and things than clockwork rose was essentially a thriller and i don't think that i want to be focusing on thrillers um but then at the same time especially in this last well these last few weeks realizing how i want to start putting more time into the other stories and making more of that all of us are really like wanting to next year push the other stories make it bigger and 
thinking maybe that's where some of our time should be kind of put towards instead of other things that might not reap as many rewards. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because sometimes I do feel like the other stories can be a bit of an afterthought when you're working on these bigger projects. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, when we did the... Um, we did like a, a seven-day challenge where we are all going to try and write five episodes each. <laughs> <laughs> and we like... All of us failed pretty spectacularly, I think, in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like... I'm glad I did that just because it... it it got most of my stories, at least the ideas formed. So I was, I was okay. So I could just sort of put it as an afterthought, but then I started to not really think about how the show was doing it over, like in general, because I wasn't editing the shows anymore. Carl was doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I was just sort of. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I wasn't even, I was just uploading the episodes. <laughs> That's like all I was doing. Um, so I definitely feel like I want this next year, I definitely want to at least set aside a bit of time every day to sort of focus on what we can do right now to make the growth of episode because that's our biggest thing that we do uh not financially but in terms of our audience numbers so it's definitely worth putting some eggs in that basket mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's been the same because essentially what we have to do for the other stories is between all of us we're writing one story each per month mm. and writing a 2000 word story i think obviously isn't as I guess not as, it depends how you look at it, but it's not as taxing as working on a 
shovel and grind your way and doing that because it's a bit of a smaller work but even with the stories like the novels anything we're doing at the minute and putting a lot of planning into it but the other stories i'll kind of go this is a topic and in a way i kind of use it as a bit of a therapy because i just spur out whatever comes to mind for that particular story and it seems to to work right now but it would be good to sit down look at future themes what i'll do for them and actually get ideas in my head before i write and see if it improves any of the quality i think i think one way i realized that like um although some months will be difficult in terms of like getting a story out there you will always do it <laughs> like you will always find something to put together in the end like and some some of the ones where i've like felt like i was struggling at the time are probably my one of my favorite episodes that i've done now so i, I feel like What's that saying? Like, uh, creativity is one percent inspiration, ninety-nine percent perspiration. Perspiration. I feel, like, I feel like that's true. Yeah, I think that's another thing that I've learned this year is the whole sitting down, just putting your butt in the chair on a certain time of day, and just writing, and just getting whatever out, and just putting in in the hours. I guess. <clears throat> Yeah. I think with I think with the other stories I've learned to write outside of my comfort zone more so than ever before because yeah. some of the some of the themes that get chosen like it's never something that I would ever yeah sort of sit down and write a story about and uh, it's like <laughs> sometimes you write like so completely out of your style like because I always find that I write in quite within a box of my style all the time no matter what what I did, what kind of thing I'm working on but with the other stories I feel like I really do have to take a step back sometimes and really think about what I'm going to do because sometimes my style won't necessarily work for that particular theme. Have so, you surprised yourself by like enjoying a certain genre of story that you never really expected to write or to enjoy writing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, to be honest, I think I've enjoyed most of the themes yeah. in the end. There's a couple of stories that looking back on, maybe I'm not 100% happy with, but it's gonna Most happen. I've got a couple of stories when I think I could have done better on. But yeah, yeah. I I kind of agree. Like that, there's some of the stuff like time travel. Like that's not really anything. Time travel scares me a bit when I watch it in films, you know, and TV shows. I'm a bit like Jesus Christ. Just start actually thinking about it, it freaks me out, and I get a little bit confused, easily confused by time yeah. travel. Yeah. So writing a time travel story when I, I tried to do like a bit of a time loop thing was a little bit daunting. And it took. I think I, I could definitely overthink it a little bit too much with the other stories. Do you, do you overthink it too much, or do you fly straight in a lot of the time? Uh, I actually think some of the some of the better episodes are when I when I have like let it simmer and I have thought about it a bit. <laughs> but um, like a few of them were literally just I just sat down and started writing. Um, yeah, yeah. Very good thing. Yeah, and then like uh, the latest one that's come out, the Super Baby one. Um, that was like three and a half thousand words on the first draft. So, like, yeah. What did you cut it down to? Two thousand two hundred or something. Yeah, that's so, quite a lot to lose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like it kind of works. I mean, it might not be the best episode I've done, but I'm kind of I'm happy with it. So that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, it's good to ask. Yeah, what if you're happy with it then? Yeah. Um, I guess another thing I've sort of realised is we should talk about uh, comics. I've kind of realised that. I've, I was thinking that comics are just more difficult to get projects moving in than, than books. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's true. I think what it is, is is every new medium 
you get into has to have like a bit of a um, a run up before you actually get anything off the ground and moving. Because when I think of when I first started making films, it took me two years or something before I was able to get anything made mm. of, of of quality. Um, and the same with like books. Like I wrote some short stories for the first two years, but, but it took me like two years to get to the first novel. And the comics, we started making comics, trying to make comics at the start of this year, and like nothing happened. <laughs> like yeah. we had like a couple of roadblocks, and then. Then, then just nothing. And then with like El Marvo, it's taken a lot longer than I would have thought it would have taken. And when did we even, when did you even start this idea? I can't even remember. I think, I think we started discussing it quite early in the year, maybe like March or April. That yeah. was the first time we started discussing it. Um, but yeah, the process has been a little while, but I think that was because we took a long time. We took a bit of time putting the cover together. Yeah. It took a long time really, really working out some of these details. Like, um, I think that we went back and forth a lot of the times with what we wanted to do in the first arc of the story yeah. and what we wanted to add um, and writing the script and just writing the treatment even that we've gone back and forth a lot I think a lot of it even before we got anything down in writing was us just going back and forth and discussing certain things yeah and some things that that either of us said that I wouldn't I don't think I even made a note of but I kind of just the whole amalgamation of everything we discussed in the end and it did just come together. Yeah, you kind of hope that the 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 better ideas will stick, and the, and yeah, the, yeah. the, the crappy ones will like fall away. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I found some notes, found some notes I made on it recently, and there was some stuff that we both of us had suggested mm. that I don't think we're going to include. But I was kind yeah. of like, I didn't even really remember them. I was like, oh, right. but um, yeah, we've, we we took a while to get the cover done as well. Yeah, I think because you sort of. It's with like when you're writing a book or something, it's just you initially. Anyway, you just sort of sit down and start writing. With comics, like there's there's a team of people, and like artists in particular are so in demand for a good artist. There's, they're just everyone's a writer, and like there isn't many people who are actually good artists. So all the writers want those artists. Yeah, and I think we did a good job getting um, Will and Dan, especially Will, to do the cover because he. Ended up getting like his first Marvel job like a week later or something. Yeah, and now, no. and now he's like illustrating. And people should go check out. He's doing the interior work for um, the Great Lakes Avengers, which is pretty amazing. It's really funny. Um, yeah, yeah. And now he's he's getting like variant cover work, and he's he's now pretty much a full fledged yeah. Marvel. Artist. Well, he did he did a Deadpool variant cover, didn't he? Yeah, so and uh, he did yeah. a couple of Deadpool Deadpool yeah, covers. Yeah, a couple of Deadpool covers. They were both really good as well. I can actually uh, see his style working really well for Deadpool. It reminds me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not, it's a little bit sillier than, um, I'm thinking of Ed McGuinness. When I first started reading Deadpool when I was a kid, it was Ed McGuinness and Joe Kelly and his artwork, uh, reminds me of that sort of same sort of cartoony feel. I know what you mean. Cartoony feel, but like a little bit over the top. Yeah. A little bit sort of like really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. good. Suits it. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously um, with Dan, with Dan, obviously we waited a little while to make sure he was free because he's busy with loads of stuff, Vanguard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we five pages coming together uh, with him. Yeah, and then also uh, Skip's yeah. Skip's got his Jericho project coming on. So yeah. next year we should be in a much better position to actually get some comics out there. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. Yeah, well, hopefully too. we'll be going to we're going to plenty of comic cons as well with these. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. Because um, I think when we went to Lincoln, 
there was a lot of interest in El Marvo just from us having the cover there. It, think how much how much it would have been how much better it would have been if we actually had the comic finished. Yeah. So I think, I think the cover is a good selling point, and I think when we do the Kickstarter campaign, um, I think it's going to be. I think the cover is going to lure people in. Yeah, yeah. We'll make the most of it then, man. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, going back to comic stuff, I just something I've learned how awesome building a comic world characters can be. Well, co-writing them. Yeah, yeah, with, um, with somebody else, yeah. Because I think when you when you put together a comic book world or any sort of world on your own, you can kind of like just go down the rabbit hole a bit and not really, not really have any sort of outside in, in, interference. But when you're doing it with somebody else, yeah, some of those some of those suggestions are like so, like pretty wild. Like some of the stuff with Elmarvo, which you were suggesting about, uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, just how awesome bouncing off somebody else, creating stuff like with characters and all the little quirks they've got and character names and all the little quirks of this world. Yeah. It's quite fun bouncing off somebody else and sort of coming up with stuff. Cause you, you think of stuff that I would never in a million years think of. <laughs> and as soon as you say it, I'm a bit like, Oh, well, no, yeah, that, 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 that probably would work really well. I think, yeah, I think one of the things you probably realize about me is I like to come up with a million ideas and throw away like 90% of them. Uh, because <laughs> I, I just think it's a good way to sort of find them more, like obscure ideas that sort of, and I'm really sort of happy with the world of Muck. Like even though it's like we're still sort of sketching it out and, and like getting it there, I feel like it's got yeah. a lot of potential. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking recently that we could write so many stories in Muck with so many different yeah. characters, and we could take it in so many different crazy directions. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much our version of uh, uh, Judge Dredd's like. Cursed Earth world, like you know the the world of Judge Dredd, because they've got so many different stories and characters within that universe that all over that planet. We've got the same sort of thing with Muck. You've got like a, you've got a, an aesthetic, an idea, and then from there you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think we could probably put in as many things as we could think of, and it probably would work because we've set it in a place which is hopefully crazy enough that anything would work. I think I like it. So uh, another note I've got here is I've learned that uh, which one am I going for? Okay, so I've learned that the more this is going to sound like painfully obvious, but the more you write, the better you get. And like the only reason I say that is because so I just put a blog post together, which is like a it's sort of this, but not for like me as a, as a person. And I'd, I've pretty much gone to the habit of doing it every year. I've done it three years in a row, and I was reading the the one I did two years ago. And like just the quality of the writing itself is just no way near as confident as what I would write nowadays. And it just it just yeah. sort of made it painfully obvious, <coughs> painfully clear that just do, just write more because you do get better. How much of your how much of your previous thing did you read? Did you could you read did you read loads of it or? Oh, it didn't take very long, and that's one thing. Like, oh, okay, it's like one of the things I've got better at. I think it's just taking the time to sort of explain things and play with language a little bit more, which I quite like to do. Um, mm. Which back then I just didn't... I think the, the post from two years ago just lacks any sort of confidence in words and in language. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else have we got here? So, oh yeah, I get complimented sometimes on Hawk and Cleaver's branding. I don't really like to use that word, but I was like, it's not really. I don't really do much of that kind of stuff. I've had a few people say... 
it's a great it's a great brand it's like a it's very fun um it's very unique and i kind of think well that's just mainly down to to, to you ben and uh, dan who does all <coughs> the website stuff now so i mean what what do you think it is that we do do you mean like the visual stuff really i think so yeah i think maybe like um like the, the tone of stuff we do i think yeah um, yeah that's the, 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 sort of translated the, through the uh communicated through the visual stuff yeah yeah i like i like the voice we've got i yeah. think and i think I, I do i think a lot of that comes from you but then sometimes i might try and emulate it a little bit you know <laughs> just just to make <laughs> things a little bit more fun but in terms of visual stuff i think i think we've got it down now i think there's there could definitely be improvements and there probably will be but um everything just because just kind of like jump out at you and a lot of stuff we do yeah i think it, it helps that we've got like you've got graphic design uh background and i think it yeah. helps that we are <laughs> i mean it sounds mean to say but we are, we're young we are internet we are digital people <laughs> like savvy digitally savvy like in terms of like um a design software we've, we've all been using it since we were quite young and i think the next generation yeah. is going to be even more savvy yeah, we all have a little dabble, which is nice. Yeah. It's nice that we can all sort of like put our stamp on it. And I think it, the brand and the voice does sort of represent us as a group, I think. Yeah. It sort of, it sort of captures the nature of us quite well, which, is, which, makes, which makes it quite personal. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that <clears throat> people, when they say the branding's good, they, they simply mean it feels personal rather than like they're talking to a brand or the, it doesn't feel like, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm saying. It doesn't feel like a business. It feels more like you're talking to a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's right when we get the feedback from people as well. They always sort of, they're always quite positive of everything. And then we're taking time to reply to absolutely everybody and sort of get into conversations with people and always ask for their feedback in terms of what they want to see and hear as well. And that's obviously why, we, why we've been doing the, doing the uh, competitions with the theme. Yeah. With the theme votes for each, each for the last couple of months, which is yeah, quite cool. Yeah. There's lots of people who get involved in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, if definitely want to do more of that, I don't know how we can do more, but it's oh yeah, oh, the beer's starting to work now. Okay, so um, <laughs> another thing I've noted is like uh, how I really wanted to do more YouTube stuff this year, but it's it's so difficult to like. Yeah. I think the, the thing I've learned is you only have so much time, you only have so many resources. And YouTube video content does take a considerable amount of time. Oh yeah, I think balancing that with absolutely everything else is uh, is kind of kind of impossible. Yeah, some things did have to give. Yeah, yeah, but I think we can still we've still kept up with YouTube. Obviously, the podcasts go on pretty much every week onto YouTube, so we've constantly got content updating on there. Um, but any other little bits and bobs, I think we could probably add. Like, obviously, I think I wanted to do more content with like talking to camera or like yeah. obviously I know I did I know I did the Elmar of announcement video but I kind of wanted to do a few more of those but I don't know I just didn't feel like I had enough to say at that particular yeah, time yeah. about everything oh <laughs> but also obviously did that Hawking Cleaver plays as well I want to do a couple of them because like the game and playthroughs because I think they sort of re- make them relevant to story as well but yeah definitely oh, yeah that's I mean that's a lot of effort as well and then, like the vlogs, I'd like to do more vlogs, but again, it's just it's just a lot of effort. And I think maybe if we do get to the point where we can do this full time, um, we'd have the time to do some of this extra stuff. But right <coughs> yeah. now, it's not. I mean, 
it's like it's it's a night. I'd like to be able to do it, but it's not like a necessity. No, no, no. I agree. We're doing plenty there. We've got fingers in many pies. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of pie? Uh, meat and potato. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. You ever been? You ever been to a pie minister? There is one in Manchester. I've not been to it though. I think they were giving out free pies the other day as well. What? Yeah, it was a, like a promo. Uh, free... that, sounds, that sounds wonderful. There's a place down near where I work that does really great pies. Oh, do you know what? I watched the... Sorry, I'm just going to completely change the subject here. I watched the Oasis documentary over there. Supersonic. Good? Heard of it? I have, you know yeah, what? Yeah. Do you know what? It was all right. Considering Oasis are a band I actively dislike. It was yeah. weird watching a documentary about an artist that I didn't like. I don't think I've ever done that before. I decided to what, sit down and watch it. What did you think of the documentary? Has it changed your mind at all? Oh, no, definitely hasn't changed my mind. Uh. <laughs> thing is, I really enjoy listening or, like, reading stuff that Noel has said. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's an incredibly funny person. Yeah, yeah, Noel, Noel is a lovely... Noel's a lovely guy. I think he's a great person. I think he's a good songwriter, not half as good as perhaps he's made out to be all the time. Yeah. He's made out to be some sort of genius, starter of a movement, you know. I think... I think I wait... I don't, don't know why we're discussing Oasis in such great detail, but I think Oasis kind of like captured the attitude of a certain generation of people, obviously in the 90s. But I don't think, I don't always think they had the music to back it up. And that might just be yeah. me, me being a silly sod. But I don't know. I think there were some all right songs, but I always felt lyrically and musically it was, a bit it was plain. ever so plain. Yeah, and and I kind of like don't understand. I, I mean, I can kind of understand the sort of like swagger and the attitude and everything that comes with it. But for me, at least, it just doesn't feel very genuine. Like I think I find most of the musical artists that I that I like the most are quite modest with their sort of attitude towards stuff. And it's the big brash characters who say like I'm the best and I do this and I do that that I really don't. Yeah, I've never been able to. I've never been able to latch onto. What was that that so, Noel, <laughs> Noel said about Radiohead? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, because uh, he's talking about how like Radiohead um, can get good reviews no matter what they do, and he he and Oasis never could. I think he's saying something like Tom, um, what's his name? I forgot his name now. The singer of Tom Radiohead, York. Tom York. Tom yeah. York. He was Tom saying York. that Tom York could shit into a light bulb and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, like uh, play it like a xylophone <laughs> or something, and he, and uh, uh, Pitchfork will give it an A or something like that. It's so funny. That- that's simply because old Tom York's a genius. He is a genius because he'd, he'd sing. <laughs> he'd harmonise with it in such a way. Um, I, I, I personally think Radiohead are the greatest British band ever. I would have to... I'd probably, oh. I'd probably agree to a sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got like, you know, Led Zeppelin and some of those old bands that, that are, are very good as well. That, <laughs> I don't know. But in terms yeah, of like, oh, yeah. like a compass, Oh, yeah, but... In terms of like I think sound and the, and the way they've changed over the years, I think really yeah, yeah. do take it. Accomplishments, experimental nature, and just absolute unbelievable songs. Yeah, Radiohead. It's, there's something there's something like spiritual about them, and yeah, I think yeah. it's hard for, to to really like emulate that in a sort of some of the, some of their songs, not just lyrically, but everything that's going on. There's something quite spiritual to this. I find it easy easy to connect with, where you know what I mean? Most of mm, most of the time, yeah. most of the time, you don't enjoy music on a spiritual level. You enjoy it sort of 
on some levels, but on a spiritual level, I find it hard to really tap into something. Yeah. Again, again, I don't want to go into. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much more. But would, <laughs> yeah, what what are we on about? I would say the last album that I've really felt that way about is the Bon Iver album. I don't think you're a oh, big yeah, Bon Iver yeah, fan of me, is but um, I think that new album is just. I don't know. It's just like he taps into some certain part of me that's like, even though it's all, it's got like electronic sort of feel to it now, and it's like got lots of like vocoder and synths <clears> and stuff going on. It still feels incredibly personable and like incredibly yeah, yeah. Uh, honest and authentic. And I don't know. That that does sound kind of pretentious, but he. Well, it's good. It's good when a band when you connect with an album like that. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to it right. so much. Unbelievable. <laughs> I um, I could I couldn't quite get my head around it, but then I don't think I listened to it enough. Possibly. It, did, it did take me like three or four goes, and I remember like the first time thinking, "Yeah, it's okay," but I don't quite understand it. And then eventually, a couple of songs. Oh yeah, you know what it was? You know we went to Lincoln, and then yeah. on the way home, I was feeling a little bit tired. I was like uh, pretty ready for bed, um, and I just put it on, and I was just on the on the train going back, looking out the window, and it was just so perfect for that moment, and it just sort of. Uh, I, I suddenly understood it. It clicked with me. Well, that's good. It's good when that, it's good when that happens. It's, it's weird how sometimes you it, you like it takes you a long time to get your head around an album and then fall in love with it. And I just think back to how many albums have I listened to once, not enjoyed it, completely forgotten about it. Yeah. That could have been my favorite album. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like some al- my favorite albums as well are the ones when I didn't like them at first, and they take a bit of yeah. uh, discovering and and like peeling away to sort of get at what it is that you like about it. Like, they they end up becoming my favourite albums. I remember the um, Dirty Projectors album. Um, I can't remember it's called. Do you like Dirty Projectors? Uh, I've heard some stuff, I think, but definitely but not, not a season, of, seasoned fan. Kind of like, kind of obscure in a way, um, almost radio-heady in that sort of experimental sense. And I really didn't like the album at first. I thought it was just kind of, like, sort of stupid and sort of over the top. <laughs> and then... Yeah. And then I just suddenly like, because my friend used to put it on at work all the time. And like, it suddenly clicked. And now it's one of my favorite albums ever. It's weird how it works, man. It is weird how it works, but also. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we've learned that like uh, music is pretty good. Uh, what else did we learn? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we should probably bring it around to a, like a, a close pretty soon. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say that because it's pointless. Um, I'm just going from my list here. Uh, YouTube done that. Um, yeah, I think I've pretty much got everything that I wanted to talk about down. So yeah, the last, the, la- the last, the last, the last. Even though, even though we did kind of touch on this, I just said about how collaborating just can make you more productive. Not necessarily. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be collaborating directly with someone on a project. Sometimes just collaborating the way we do. Like sometimes each working away at our own individual projects, but kind of like checking in on each other, doing that weekly thing where we discuss what progress we've been making and. Kind of egging each other on to, you know. Yeah. Although we forget to do that sometimes, we have been doing that right from the get go. I think like every Wednesday or so, we sort of check yeah. in with each other. Yeah, because it's kind of lonely writing, and we don't live next to each other, so no. just sort of checking it, in once a week is is, is pretty. We're pretty, cool. we're pretty we're pretty lucky though, because I think I think it's got to be the majority of writers are doing it on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, writers are our sort of level, I say, or right people who are aspiring writers as well like do it on their own so we are pretty yeah, pretty I, lucky to have I would each recommend other. everyone to do this I mean there's been a couple of people who sort of 
when we first started this, they wanted to sort of get in on this. But yeah, it was kind of like, well, I don't really know you. And <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I would rather, much rather them start their own thing and just find their own people. And like, th- there's no reason to join on to something when you could do it yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But maybe people just wanted to join in with us because. Because we're they, cool as fuck. They yeah. thought we're cool as fuck, and they yeah. thought like, oh, I don't want to be friends with these guys. And we're like, hey, <laughs> come sit with us. Yeah, this club is full. <laughs> Start your it's own good. Club. It's it's quite a good thing. It's quite a good thing that we didn't like, over dilute it with a lot of people to start with. I think because once we got started, we could have easily done that. Yeah. Because you know we did, none of us really knew each other that well. Yeah. Obviously, obviously you did with Skip, but the four of us I didn't know too each well. other. <laughs> Yeah, I've gone, gone too far the other way. Too far. I've seen exactly. too much of his body parts. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of your body parts as well, Ben. Have you? Um, <laughs> wait, what, what, okay, Tell me what. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just remembering some things from Lincoln. Like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll wrap up there. Um, it's been a bit of a weird show. Um, yeah. Part of it had Dan in. And then there was there was a bit with Dan in, and it wasn't, and then he came back in. Is he okay? Do you think? He's traveling through the multiverse right now. I think. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, man, I'm gonna watch Rogue One, and you should watch Rick and Morty because I think you'd like it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's good. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it a little try. I might. I might wait till after Christmas and have it be like a little New Year's pick me up or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, so this show, the music is brought to you by Disaster Piece. Um, it's one of our favourite composers. You, sh- you should check him out. Uh, it's hosted now by Acast, which is pretty cool. Oh. And you should go to hawkandcleaver.com for a free book and to check out our other stuff. Uh, oh yeah, follow me on Twitter at LukeOfConlogK and follow Ben. Yes, at- follow me at uh, Ben underscore Errington. Do it. All right, then. Bye. Daddy, bye now. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories? Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Q-Day, anyway. Toodle Pip. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.